Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hey there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you're having a great week. It's been a little bit of a tiring week for me. I feel like I say that a lot, but it's true. Um, one of my children is having a really hard time with anxiety right now. I'm sure that you can relate being that you listen to this podcast. So we were up late into the middle of the night with a second panic attack and we had a really difficult 4th of July because apparently, I don't know why, but it wasn't on my radar that a festival environment was going to trigger two of my three children. So that was kind of eye opening where I thought we were just going to go have hot dogs and walk around a festival and have fun. It turned out to be a huge challenge for two of my kids and for two totally different reasons. One, because of panic and crowds and the other one thought everybody was staring at him. So it was quite the night, but last night was a little bit bumpy as well because my oldest was having just physiological reaction, just having pure panic attack. And this is a new thing in our home, in our, in our world. And so just walking her through that has kind of been sad and sad for her, but that's just how anxiety goes. It, it morphs and it develops as your children get older and, you know, go through hormonal changes. So does their anxiety. So anyway, today I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about misophonia, also known as sound rage. And I often pick topics for this podcast that are close to my heart because this is part anxiety podcast and part Natasha memoir. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I do pick topics that resonate with me normally on a personal level as well as a professional level because I can speak more adamantly about them and I know them intimately. And generally any topic about anxiety is going to be something that resonates with me because as a person who has anxiety and a person who's raising three anxious people and a person who writes about anxiety and a person who has a private practice that is dedicated to anxiety, pretty much anything about anxiety, I'm going to have something to talk about. So misophonia is definitely included in that because I picked this topic because I didn't even know what it was about two years ago. And I had seen kids in my practice with sound sensitivities, but it wasn't until maybe it was like three years ago. No, I think it was actually two that I came across an article, I think on misophonia. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have seen so many kids with this. And the bigger aha was, oh my gosh, I've had this. Like I have this. I know you're probably like, she thinks she has everything. What is her problem? But seriously, I think I have everything because I only talk about anxiety and they're, they're all things that I deal with in my home and with myself. So I want to talk about it because misophonia, okay, by the way, total side note, I had been calling it misophonia and I am neurotic. So before I made this podcast, I, you know, you can Google pronunciations, true story. So I do that a lot. (laughs) I go to my computer and I like pronunciation of misophonia. And then you'll get like 
um, a YouTube video and it'll be like, misophonia, misophonia. It's like a robot, but it'll tell you how to pronounce things. I don't know if it's correct, but I did look it up and I went to like a misophonia website that is like misophonia.org or something. I'll have to look it up and tell you. Actually, I can look it up right now. It wasn't .org. It was, where is it? Oh, here it is. It was um, misophoniainternational.com. So according to them, it's miss, like misogyny, and not miso, like miso soup. So whatever. I'm sure you didn't want to like listen to this podcast to hear the pronunciation, but just want you to know that I looked it up. So anyway, I think people misunderstand this because a lot of times they'll think it's just a sensitivity to noise and they'll relate it a lot of times to kids with autism or with sensory issues. And there is an overlap. So people with misophonia, you know, can be autistic or have sensory issues. And there is a link as far as that goes, but it's not a condition that is about the sensitivity to sound like the decibel of sound like, um, hyperacusis. Yeah. I had to look up how to pronounce that just to make sure as well. (laughs) Hey, I'm just full disclosure here, but it's more about how that sound is being processed in the brain and in particular in the limbic system. And what it does is the sound, and normally it's a pattern of sounds, it triggers a strong negative emotional reaction in the limbic system. Now, I find that completely fascinating, especially as somebody who has suffered from this, because it's it's a baffling condition to have when you hear a noise and you want to rage. And I can tell you from a very personal place that you want to rip the person's head off. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, she does not sound stable. We should completely worry about her. No, but it... It's like somebody hits an on button in your limbic system when you hear these noises, these particular noises, and we'll get into what the misophonia triggers can sound like. And you just get really, really angry. And then you're like, why am I feeling so angry? And you just want to have that person stop that noise. And it, it makes you angry towards that person, no matter how much you love them or like them, it just makes you want to rage on that person. And I'm not saying this lightly, like it is a true condition. And a lot of times kids are misunderstood who have this because they're, they get in trouble or they're told, you know, to, to learn how to tolerate something. And it just looks like negative behavior when in reality it creates this anger inside of you, or it can create anxiety or panic inside of you that is really hard to control once it gets going. And it's not a choice. It's literally someone triggering your limbic system, which I think is fascinating. So it's actually more of a processing issue in how your brain is processing the sound than you just being irritated. And I think that that's where people get confused. They think, well, look, we all get irritated by someone chewing too loudly. So just deal with it because we all deal with it. But if you have this condition it's triggering your limbic system in a way that's not triggering someone else. And so it's kind of like, you know, when you go to the doctor and they hit your knee to check your reflexes and boom, your knee moves. 
it's like an automatic response. Or for me, if somebody sticks a tongue depressor on my tongue, I guess that's a little redundant. But if somebody is checking my throat, they're going to hit my gag reflex because it loves to be hit. And I'm going to gag like no matter what instant gag. Well, so going to the dentist is really fun for me, but that's what it's doing to the limbic system for people who have misophonia. It is like a knee jerk reaction to feel blind rage, anger, or anxiety. And it's, it's hard to stop. And it doesn't matter how much you tell yourself, Hey, you know, it's just, you know, their noise or they're just chewing or they're just tapping. It's a reflex and it is a a reaction that you cannot control. So let's talk about what some of those noises are. And then I'll tell you how you can help your child cope with it. So some, I'm going to go over the different triggers because they're different for each person, but there are some general ones and we'll go over what they are. And then in the second half of this podcast, I'll talk to you about some ways that you can help your child. And unfortunately, research is really new in this topic and it's not recognized in the DSM or in the ICD codes, you know, the medical codes. So it's a relatively newly labeled issue and under-researched situation. And I, I'm hoping, and I think over time, the awareness will grow and it already is growing leaps and bounds since it has been named. I mean, obviously it was always there, but we have things that are happening in the world and we don't realize it. And then it gets a name and then eventually gets research and then eventually treatment happens. So we're in the early stages of understanding this disorder, but the noises that tend to trigger it, let's go over them. So I break them into three categories. This is kind of my own way of organizing it from me treating some kids that have had this in my practice and from my own lovely struggles as well. So noises that revolve around the mouth are a big trigger for misophonia. So that includes chewing, chomping, slurping, lip smacking, crunching, silverware on teeth, clanking plates, and kissing. Those kind of noises can drive you insane. And I'm not talking about being annoyed because people don't like to hear people chew, but it will drive you insane. It will make you so angry and you won't know why you're feeling that angry about that noise. So noises around the mouth are super annoying. So some people like those ASMR videos that, you know, create these sounds that are supposed to help you sleep. And for my misophonia, oh my gosh, that's like torture. I looked it up a long time ago when a lot of teenagers are into it. So a lot of the teenage patients I see will say, Hey, you, you know, ASMR really helps me. And so I watched some YouTube videos and I'm like, Oh my gosh, turn it off. How can anyone find that relaxing? But that's because I have misophonia. And so it completely, any of that noise triggers my misophonia. So any, uh, mouth noises, definitely a trigger. And then also the second category that I make are bodily noises. So deep breathing, sniffling, snoring, those really aren't triggers for me. We'll get into my triggers in a second, but the, the noise around eating, like chewing, chomping, slurping, lip smacking, silverware, like clanking on a plate or on teeth and kissing. Those definitely are huge triggers for me. And then 
The third category that bothers a lot of people, and I didn't even realize that this was a misophonia issue for me until I started to read a lot more about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, these noises do make me want to rage as well. You're like, don't go near her. (laughs) This is actually much more common than you might think. But the third category are other patterned type of noises like keyboard tapping, clicking buttons on a remote or a game controller, tapping fingers, uh, clicking pens, tapping pencils on a desk, and water dripping. And it's funny because there are two things that I had no idea bothered me. So my husband likes to play games at night. That's how he relaxes. He's kind of a little bit of like a closet gamer. And so he's playing on his remote control and I'm hearing like the buttons being pressed, you know, when he's like fighting something and he's like, and all of a sudden I want to just turn around and punch him in the face. (laughs) And I, I love him to death. He is like my best friend and my complete soulmate, if you believe in that kind of stuff. So we have a great relationship and I want to like, I want to rip the controller out of his hands and I didn't even realize it because I would, I would kind of think about it and I'd be like, what is your problem? Do you have a problem with him playing games at night? Like, what is the deal? So I'm like trying to psychoanalyze myself. And then I realized, no, it is just the sound of him touching that game controller. It drives me nuts. The other thing that I think is kind of interesting is I, in my past, I would buy those like water Zen things that were really popular, like in the 1980s and 90s. And, you know, the sound of water dripping is supposed to be soothing. And I'd plug it in and it would drive me nuts. And I'm like, why is that relaxing for people? The sound of water dripping creates so much anxiety. And I would put a lot of meaning to it. I'd be like, well, maybe it's because I'm worried about like a flood or maybe when you've had like water leaks, like in your ceiling, that creates anxiety. I mean, I would totally try to analyze it. And now I realize, no, it's just, it's a pattern sound that triggers my misophonia. I find it really fascinating. And maybe you have some sensitivities to sound and you're like, oh my gosh, you know what? It fits in those three different categories. Then you might want to read more about misophonia as well, because it is a real thing. And it's not just a noise that's irritating. It's a noise that's actually triggering your limbic system because it's not being processed in the way that it needs to be. So how do you help your kids with this? Now, I have seen it really impact some families' lives. So you might think like, oh, you know, we're just putting a name on everything these days. And now everybody's got some disorder. And I totally get that. And I agree on some level that, yeah, that that happens a lot. But partly is we're catching up with understanding how the brain processes information. And so that's why there's sensory processing disorder. Now we understand it. It's not like it's new. It's just that we understand things that we didn't understand back in the 1970s. You know, clothes bothered me then too, but I didn't have a name for it. Sounds bothered me then too. I didn't have a name for it. So I feel like we're starting to understand how the brain works. And I feel like the brain is so fascinating because there's so many things about us that are controlled by how we're processing information and how we're processing our sensory input, which I don't know. I just find that really fascinating. But anyway, it's not about me finding it fascinating. So how do you live with this? Because there are, there are kids that I've worked with where this completely destroys dinner. It creates a lot of havoc at home, a lot of fighting. And a lot of times parents will think the child is just being completely difficult and they're not. 
So up next, I'm going to talk to you about some ways to help your child with misophonia and bring some sanity back to your house. Stay tuned. That's what's up next. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. So welcome back. Let's talk about how we help the people struggling in your home. So this can ruin dinner and it can go beyond that. Um, You can have kids who are just shouting all the time. It can create real bad aggression. So I might want to rip the game controller out of my husband's hands, but I don't. I have restraint or I might yell at my kids to stop eating, but younger kids don't have that restraint that I have as an adult. I can say, wow, I'm being a little irrational about this, but they don't have that ability. And so some kids get really aggressive. They might attack you and you might not know what provoked them. And it could be a sound or they might attack their siblings. They might yell at everybody. They might have some rules for people. You know, they might constantly get on everybody's nerves because they're like, chew with your mouth closed or stop making noise or stop tapping that or stop breathing. They might get really annoyed by things like that and seem unreasonable. So the first way to help your child is to educate them. Educating people on misophonia is so helpful, not not only for the person who has it, but actually for everybody in the family. So it's good for you to know about it if it's not you who has the problem. And it's also really helpful for your child to know about it. Because for a long time, I did not know why I felt so angry when certain noises were around me. And I, I equated it to maybe a relationship problem. And I was trying to figure out why am I so angry with my daughter when she's eating? Why am I so angry with my husband when he has cereal? That one's a really big one for me, by the way, he doesn't even know it. I mean, I, and we'll talk about what I do to tolerate the sounds in my house. But once I realized that this was a processing issue in my brain and that it's triggering rage and there is no significance. There's no meaning that I need to place on it. It really helped me because I can think back to even when I was in fourth grade, I remember we had a cat named Holly and she had a habit of sucking her fur at night. And I don't, I was thinking about this yesterday because I was thinking about this podcast episode and I was thinking about Holly and I've never had a cat ever since that did this. So I don't know if this is a normal cat thing to do. I have no idea, but she would like suck on her fur like over and over again. Do you have a cat that does that? Is that normal? So my, cause I have a cat now who's totally not friendly by the way. And she doesn't do that. So I don't know if that's normal cat behavior, but anyway, she would suck. She would suck on this one spot. Maybe she had some problem with herself. I don't know. And it would drive me bonkers. And I would like push her away and I'd knock her off the bed. I mean, and I looked back on that as I got older and I would think, what was wrong with me? Like my mom needed to put me in therapy. I mean, I was like hurting the cat because she was making a noise, a sucking noise. And now I realize that it was triggering rage inside of me. And that's why I got so aggressive with the cat. And for a while I couldn't figure that out. And also 
you know, fast forward a zillion years when I started to breastfeed and my baby would be making this sucking sound on my breast, it would annoy me. And I'd be like, what kind of mom gets annoyed by their beautiful baby suckling their breast? (laughs) I'm like, do I not have a maternal bone in my body? And now I can look back on it and I could be like, okay, it was, it was triggering my misophonia and that's not my fault. And it wasn't about the baby and it wasn't about my maternal instinct. It was a noise that was bothering me. And it just helps to put that in context. It really helps for someone to understand what that is. So when I have a child that comes into my practice who happens to have misophonia, then we talk about what it is that it has a name and that other people have it as well and what they can do about it. So first step is educate your child on what it is and educate the people around them. Educate their brothers and sisters, educate your partner so they understand what it is. Secondly, I teach kids they cannot control other people. They can only control themselves because that's a big one for kids. They want to rage on everyone. They want to tell everyone, stop making so much noise when you eat. Stop clanking that or stop breathing weird or stop playing with your game controller that's driving me freaking nuts. You know, stuff like that. But you can't control other people. You can only control yourself. So once a child knows that they have misophonia, they'll realize that they're being triggered by the sound and that other people aren't really bothered as much as they're being bothered and that the issue is with them and not with the person making the noise. And that's an important distinction that kids and adults who have misophonia have to understand that it's not the person who's making the noise that's the problem. It's you, it's me, and it's my problem and I have to deal with it. And it's not fair for me to get angry with the people around me because they're triggering my misophonia. That's not fair. So you want to teach them to develop some coping mechanisms. And unfortunately, there are some experimental interventions out there you know, that I think they're starting to develop, but I didn't read anything that has been researched and proven to be effective yet for misophonia. And so treatment options are limited right now, and it's not my world anyway, but what I do teach and help kids who have misophonia, because most of the time the kids are coming to me for something else, either sometimes they're coming to me because they rage and they have anger. And then I find out eventually that their actual trigger is because of the sensitivity. I don't even want to say sensitivity to noise because it's not that, but it's like sound rage. It makes you want to like go berserk. So sometimes they're coming in for behavior, but a lot of times they have anxiety or OCD and they tend to have Um, I don't want to say they tend to have, but some of those kids will have misophonia as well. There's not a huge correlation. It's not like I see every kid that has anxiety and OCD has misophonia, but I think when you're sensitive and you have other sensory issues or processing issues, you are more likely or more susceptible to have that. But research is very new. And so who knows, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, more than I do. And you can, you know, leave a comment on my website on this article. Every podcast has a page on my website. So if you ever have a comment or a question about an episode, that is a great place to go because there are there's a, a section for comments and you can leave that. So just click, if you go to my website and you go to anxioustoddlers.com, I know I'm on a tangent right now, but just bear with me. So you can go to anxioustoddlers.com and then on the top, there is a button called podcast. 
you click that and there are all my episodes. So if you ever want to have a dialogue about what I'm talking about, because I know there's a lot of professionals that listen to my podcast, there's a lot of speech therapists and there's a lot of, um, child therapists and there's a lot of mental health professionals and there's probably some audiologists and occupational therapists. So I would love for your input because this is definitely a topic that's not talked about enough and you might have some experience in your own practices that you want to add to the conversation. So feel free to jump in because I am talking mainly about this from a personal level and not a professional level, although there is some overlap where a lot of kids come in. I don't say a lot of kids, but a handful of kids come in and they have this issue and I have the opportunity to educate parents and and kids about what it is and how to help. So the second thing you want to do is teach them that they only control themselves. And unfortunately at this point, you're going to have to try to find some barrier to the sound. And so that is having headphones accessible to you, having earplugs or like those silicone earplugs that you can kind of pop in your ear that when you are having a problem or Some of the families I work with will have like a sound screen at dinnertime or music at dinnertime, and that can help. I teach kids that they have to remove themselves from the situation and not expect other people to remove themselves or stop the noise because that's not fair. And so I have worked with kids where they will carry headphones or earbuds around. And when they hear a noise that irritates them, they can pop in their headphones or when they have dinner they play music, or if a sound is becoming too much for a child, there is a general rule that it is okay for that child to get up and to go into another room or to go to their room to either reset or maybe eat dinner later. It's not worth forcing your child to eat dinner with your family if it drives them to rage. It's not fair to them and it's not fair to everybody else. So I know I've worked with some families where they're like, well, you know, it's family time and we're all going to sit together. And yes, that is great. And I totally believe that. And we all sit together at my house several days a week when I'm not working late. We all sit down to eat dinner on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. That's like all of our days that we have our family dinner. I work late Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays we go out to eat, but (laughs) you probably really don't even need to know my, uh, my work schedule, but there you go. Um, So I, you know, sit down meals are really important to us at my house. I feel like that's when we really bond the most, but if your child has really acute misophonia, it may not be worthwhile, or they might have to wear earplugs. And I know that seems really drastic, but it just depends on how triggered they get around certain noises. So that is really the key. And I know that that's not really a great solution, but it is really helpful because at my house, I have headphones, not really hidden, but I have headphones behind my pillow on my couch where I sit. They're kind of hidden because I have this crazy cat that will attack anything that looks like a string. And so she's going to break my headphones. So I hide them behind the pillow. And anytime my husband's sitting next to me and he's playing with that game controller or he is slurping cereal, oh my gosh, that totally drives me nuts. I will quickly put in my headphones and I'll listen to music. I will put music really loud on my iPad because normally my iPad's right next to me. I know that's totally not cool, but I'm always working. So, um, 
I'll plug it in. And then once he's done eating, I'll take it back out again. And it's subtle and nobody notices. And it keeps me from screaming and raging, which I don't do. And I don't want to do. The other thing is my daughter, my oldest daughter, she has oral sensory issues. And so she normally has to eat with her mouth open because of her own sensory issues. We're like a mess here. (laughs) So she's chomping away. She is the loudest eater in the world. And a lot of times what she'll do is, so we have this rule where you're not allowed to eat on our couch because we're trying to like preserve, preserve our couch. So we haven't, we have kind of like an open floor plan. So we have like bar stools that are right behind the couch that are right up to like a kitchen bar. And so she'll sit on the bar stool and turn it around so she can watch TV. And I'm on the couch, which is like literally right in front of her. And she will get some chips and she will start eating. I want to like kill her and I will turn around and I'll be like, you have to sit at the table. And so we do have a rule that when people are going to eat and I'm sitting right there, I'll make them go and sit at the table far away from me. And I'll say, it's not your fault. You're not doing anything wrong, but the noise is going to drive me crazy. So if you're going to eat, just go sit at the table. And I just got through telling you that we don't control other people. We only control ourselves, but I don't need to have her sit right behind me while I'm on the couch doing work and chomp. And so in my house, if you're going to eat a snack and I'm near there, I make them eat in the, in the dining room, which is like, it's an open floor plan. So it's like two feet away, go sit at the table instead of like right by my ear. So that's how I handle that in my house. I have headphones, which this sounds really extreme, but it really isn't. It's, you know, I don't often hear noises that really, really trigger me except late at night when my husband's playing on that game. But for the most part, it doesn't bother me. But you want to teach your child to catch it early because if you sit there and you don't do anything and you're like, okay, I shouldn't get angry about this noise. This noise is like, he's just clicking his pen. It's not a big deal. And you try to not do anything to deal with the noise, either by putting headphones on or moving to another room or getting away from it, the rage will slowly take over. It grows and it's kind of like a headache. If you don't catch it early enough, it's hard to rein back in. So you want to teach your kids, catch it early. If it start, if noises are starting to bother you, vocalize that the noise is bothering you, let us know. And then you either move to another room or grab your headphones. So they take some ownership, but they also catch it early because if you sit there and stew, trust me, I kind of know this, the anger will really build. And then it's kind of hard to get your mood stable again. And that's not fun. That's not fun for anybody. So that was misophonia in a nutshell. Next Tuesday, I'm going to be talking about anxiety and OCD again. And I'm going to be talking about how reassurance is the enemy to OCD and anxiety and what to do instead. Sounds counterintuitive, but trust me, it'll make sense. We're going to talk about that next week. So if you haven't already, don't forget to hit subscribe so that you automatically have these episodes downloaded and you won't miss them. And if you're enjoying these episodes, I will enjoy you. If you leave a review that definitely helps, helps get the word out. And it also helps me feel like I'm reaching you. So if you can go to iTunes and leave a review, I would appreciate it. I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. And until next time, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com. 